Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. To get up and get going, South Coast, it's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in the third and final hour here on Monday. And that means it is time to turn on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. And I think I might have figured something out this morning, Jack. Let's see if this works. I, oh, I thought we were going to do rubber sole instead of to turn on the light. <laughs> no, but we could. I think I, I think I found an easy way to make this transition. Let's see. See, just make the computer do it for you. How'd you do that? I added it into the playlist, so I just pressed the button and it stopped what was playing and went into this. I know we're talking like inside baseball shop talk here, but... Well, of course, I didn't even know there was a playlist, so... <laughs> I'm figuring it all out. I'm figuring it all out as we go along. So I, I actually came in and did Spooky South Coast Saturday I my night. I don't play this down the <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's... that's. But I came in and did Spooky for the first time since April, and... I used to have all kinds of problems, like getting everything to work the way that I wanted it to work. I came in, actually, I did it from home Saturday night because I can remote yeah. in, set up the clock the way that I wanted it. Came An administration member tell me that we are not a pub, an economic development agency was shocking to me. And I, I, when I was at that rally a week ago Saturday for the kids, and I guess they have finally gotten into Bed Bath & Beyond, although they are draining their, their, their clay supplies in a big empty barrel because they can't use the sinks. I mean, it's a horrible situation up there. They still don't have their studios in, in the shape that they need them. Uh, when I saw that those kids had not been offered even a partial tuition reimbursement, that, that they have not, as far as I know, yet had a meeting with the chancellor, uh, it said to me that they're trying to bulldoze this through. And so I felt that if Senator Montigny and Mayor Mitchell were not going to do it, that somebody had to do it. So I recommended they do it. You know, uh, I don't take any great joy in that. I don't want anybody to lose their jobs. I do feel like, as I've said, Fuller is part of the whole system. But I feel like UMass is playing hardball tactics, but the Senator Montigny and Mayor Mitchell are trying to fight them with the rules of the Marcus of Queensbury, you know, that, that they're trying to have these uh, genteel, you know, uh, rules of war when they're fighting against someone who's doing guerrilla war. When I say guerrilla war, Mark Fuller closing that school two weeks before classes began 
you know, and just putting the, all those school students' lives into uproar is guerrilla war. You know, there, there, there was a way where he could have gone to Senator Montigny, to could have gone to uh, uh, the governor and said, you've got to get DCAM, you've got to get the UMass Building Authority to agree to a, a temporary lease until I can get these students a long-term plan instead of, like, just putting all that stuff in trailers up on the UMass Dartmouth campus and and having these kids have nowhere to go. To go. So I, I, I just felt that someone had to do it. And I think UMass is playing hardball. I've been very disappointed that Steve Karam, the son of a guy who used to be the chair of the Board of Trustees of UMass Dartmouth, Bob Karam, is now the chair. So that's the kind of nepotism we have governing the higher education system in Massachusetts, you know, has written this letter along with uh, uh, President Me and backing Mark Fuller. We've heard nothing from Senator Montigny, who was called out in in President Meehan's letter, he called out the sitting state senator, you know, in this district, and we've heard nothing. So I question how committed are they really? You know, I think Mark has even said, you know, it's really the students at this point that, that the downtown New Bedford has come far enough along that it really doesn't have to have the school anymore. You keep that, that star store building empty for 10 years, and you see how far New Bedford has come along. You keep, uh, the, the artists are here because the school is here. Ten years from now, when there's not new artists coming in all the time because some of them stay, you know, you'll see how many artists are in downtown New Bedford. So I feel like they're willing to go so far, but not far enough. And the people I talk to, the people that, that write me about my columns of saying, you know, keep doing it because because the only thing you messed up with by taking those kids two weeks out of, before this mess began out of school is playing guerrilla warfare, taking advantage of Montigny correctly, not funding the... Um, the, the budget for, for Paul Downey, they're playing guerrilla warfare. We need to play guerrilla warfare. I drove by the Bed Bath & Beyond campus. I guess it's going to have to be referred to that. As, uh, but I drove by there Saturday, and I kind of took a look in the windows, and it's still, it still really just looks like an empty store to me. And they're, yeah. they're expecting that students are in there doing, doing actual work. Yeah, and they're at midterms now. So this is not like a few days at the beginning of the semester. This is this is midterms. I know four students who have taken a studio of their own. Together they banded and are at Hatch Street Studios. They did this on their own because the university didn't supply something. The university, as you read in my column, is in the process of building these very undersized uh, studios for the undergraduates that look like closets. You know, some of them don't even appear to have windows. Um, so they... You know, they are determined how, how quickly they're moving to never go back to that star store. And I just I just feel like despite Fuller saying, oh, I really want to do it, but UMass Building Authority wouldn't help me, that DCAM wouldn't let me take the lease. But then when Montigny says to him, no, I'll give you the money for the maintenance. I've already put the money in for a new HVAC system. I'll give you the other money for the roof. You know, just, you know, just do the right thing. They have signed on the, do- on the dotted line. But Paul Downey, the other ingredient, who I don't also don't feel that Montigny and Mayor Mitchell have sufficiently called out, wrote that letter saying, oh, no, um, you missed the deadline. I have a right to keep the building. He wrote another letter a year later saying, oh, well, if, if Montigny takes out his inspector general investigation out of the state budget, then I'll then I'll um, uh let them take it, even though they missed the deadline. There's a lot of shenanigans going on here. I think a lot of people in downtown New Bedford see that building as highly developable now that the build, now that the um, economy has changed for real estate, and they're trying to 
they made $63 million. Now, they had to pay taxes and, and um, maintenance, whatever maintenance they did do out of that. On the first go-around, they won another big payday. You know, I mean, it's just breathtaking. So, first of all, as you said, you know, they're at the midway point of the semester here. I don't know when they're going to start sending out the bills for the next semester. I don't know when, because... When, you usually have to pay that before the first semester is over, right? You sign up and you got to pay the bill for what you so that you can go to the next semester. I want to know is, is there going to be any adjustment then either because you're not getting the same facilities. I don't know exactly how they do their billing over at UMass Dartmouth, but I'm just trying I, to think back to how I used to. If I remember pay it. correctly, when I was in college, we paid before you started. You didn't pay afterwards. You paid before you started. Right. It wasn't on the in between. It was at the end right. of the semester. That so, you're in. so that will be coming up soon. Um, you know, the fact that the chancellor hasn't met with them, the fact that there's been no offer to um, even partially rescind tuition payments says two, two things to me. Either they don't care how their own students are faring or they are so broke they don't even, they, they, they don't even have the money. Because you would think as a PR and, move you would just yeah, give them something. I mean, UMass Dartmouth has suffered through mismanagement through a series of chancellors now. And, you know, yes... Attendance is down, but attendance is down at all schools. It's just that attendance at UMass Dartmouth is down even worse than other schools. And so they have some things, to, decisions to make. But to put all that on the back of the downtown campus in New Bedford is, is, is just, um, it is classist. I'm, I'm not sure it's not worse. I, I, I just think that, that I, when I have faculty members saying we are not an economic development agency and we have no role to play in the, the future of the population of our own region, that we're a research university that just happens to be here, like a private school happens to be, be someplace. That, you know, why does the state of Massachusetts have a public university in Amherst, in the central part of the state, that's the flagship, in the northeast part of the state in Lowell, in the southeast part of the state in Dartmouth, and in Boston, the, the biggest population center. It has them because it wants public universities in different geographical areas. To say that they have no you know, connection to this geographical area, it's just breathtaking to me. And do you find that as you are... Now, I just correct myself a, a, mm -hmm. a little bit. Chancellor Fuller said to me, well, we, we still run this very small office, the workmen's, the workers' uh, advice, workers' um, uh, office in New Bedford, which I think they've transferred to BCC now. Uh, and they, they do do a few other things around town. The SMAS building is there, although I hear there's complaints at SMAS too. Um, so they do do a few things in New Bedford, but I, but I have had people say to me, we are not, we do not have a role in economic development. I know that you said that you've had trouble getting some of these public records that you've requested. As you've been following along on this story, have you seen, have you gotten better communication with all the parties involved or has things gotten worse? I did get a second uh, letter from uh, the UMass Building Authority referring to me the fact, to the fact that they had the same two letters that I had, did receive from the Division of Capital Asset Management. I have more public records requests that I intend to file, but right now I'm up to date on, on, on what I filed. But it was, you know... A struggle getting them, and, and and also, I think it was, I don't, I forget whether it was DKM or Umbo. But one of them told me that they don't take regular questions from the press. Everything has to be by by means of a public records request, which I just found astonishing. Well, I I will also ask too. So you you called for the resignation of Chancellor Mark Fuller. Uh, you didn't bring it to the level of Marty Meehan and asking for his resignation, but there's been problems with the UMass system overall. Do you think that Marty Meehan should have to pay some kind of price for this? I do. 
I do. And I think that, that they had a vote of no confidence in Marty Meehan at UMass Boston after he tried to blame them for mistakes with the financial uh, 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 f- financing of their expansion um, when it was really mistakes in his own office that, that were required that were responsible for that, according to a study by the Pioneer Institute, a respected conservative um, institute. Uh, I think that I wanted to call out, well, Meehan has been saying all along, we don't have any role in this. This is the individual university's chancellor's decision. So I wanted to call him out first. You know, this issue was going on. And calling for the Meehan resignation, and more importantly, calling for Montigny and Mitchell and the delegation to get on board with that. Uh, I think elicited the letter from me and, and uh, 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 the president of the trustees, uh, Tim Karam, that repeated every single one of the talking points that Chancellor Fuller has made. So that makes me believe even more that the university is one on this. And it all is connected, as I've tried to show in my columns, through the way they changed about 10 years ago, the financing of the public university system, not the state college system. Bridgewater is in fine shape the state university system to make them research universities that were totally financed by their student tuition and fees plus whatever capital they could raise from uh, the private sector for their research. And I think it's a bad way to finance. I'm not against getting capital for individual schools like the Charlton School of Business or anything like that. But I think for for, for, for you to do that and not emphasize that you need support from the tax base of Massachusetts is is really not the way to go. All right, we do have to uh, take a break here. If you have any questions for Jack, any comments, 508-996-0500. We will take a break, and we'll be back in just a few moments. All right, welcome back in. We are turning on the light with Jack Blaine of New Bedford Light. We're going to be going into the newsroom in just a few moments, uh, but we will take your calls at 508-996-0500. Jack, I do want to ask you about the biggest news in the city over the past couple of days, that being that two bars are now offering South Shore Bar Pizza. <laughs> Which bars are that? Uh, the Poor Farm uh, Tavern and Grill. Okay. They're going to be offering it on their new menu starting this week. And the Dipper Cafe started offering it as of Friday. So You know, I got to get up to the Dipper Cafe because I love the uh, great um, mural that uh, Ryan McPhee and um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, he's my barber. I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, uh, Saint, Jeff Saint um, did up on... Um, uh, the Dipper Cafe is, is right in the front of the building. Mm-hmm. You can see it from every aspect of Route 18. It's wonderful. Uh, and I'm, I used to be a regular uh, customer at the Poor Farm. Not so much anymore as I, I've advanced in age. But but uh, so that's good to know. Are you a fan of South Shore Bar Pizza? Do you know Do you know the difference? I do, do not, but I'm a fan of pizza. So I'm trying to think of where... Well, you're a little bit more in North Shore, so they might not have that style. But it was kind of created in the Brockton Randolph area. It's the thin... Cracker crust and oh, the cheddar yeah. mozzarella blend, yeah. like a small individual type pizza. Yeah, my favorite current place for pizza is Brick, uh, which has a place in Fairhaven and in New Bedford, and they have a thin, the thin crust. Uh, this is different though. This is this is you got to try it. You got to okay. just go stop by the Dipper or the Poor Farm, try one of their bar pizzas, and you'll realize like what that style is all about. My suggestion, if you get something from Brick, get the hot Hawaiian. Okay, but then add chicken too. Right. That's how I do it. Yeah, chicken, ham, pineapple, jalapenos. Yeah, 
These days, uh, as I've grown more uh, cognizant to cholesterol, I'm adding chicken to everything. Yeah, that's the way to go. All right, well, we are going to be going in the newsroom, so caller, hang on. We will get to you when we come back from the other side of the news. Before we do the news, though, let me just let you know about Worley Beds Factory Outlet. They are on Pope's Island in New Bedford, and if you are looking for a better night's sleep, Go nowhere else but Whirly Beds because they're going to work with you to find the right mattress. It's not just a matter of telling you, oh, come in, lay on a bunch, try them out and see what's happening, and then just pick one from there. No, no, no. They're going to work with you to figure out exactly what it is that you need, whether it be a specific firmness of the mattress, whether it be a specific style. Maybe it might be a specific type of mattress, like a cooling mattress. If you're like me and you sweat when you sleep, well, they have cooling mattresses that will keep that from happening. They will keep you warm when the temperature drops, but they will keep you cool once you start to warm up there under the covers. Things like that make all the difference in the world, and they will work with you to make sure that you get the perfect mattress and all the other sleep accessories that you need. They have beds, they have pillows, they have everything that you need to make sure that you are getting your best night's sleep. Stop on by and see them. They are located on Pope's Island in New Bedford, or you can go to whirlybeds.com and find out more online. But I recommend stopping in, talking to Patrick and Martha and the rest of the team at Whirly Beds Factory Outlet, Pope's Island in New Bedford. All right, let's go into the newsroom now and get all the latest headlines of the day with Ariel Dorsey. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says Israel cannot let Hamas stay in a position to be able to launch attacks from Gaza. Speaking on CBS's Face the Nation, Blinken said different ideas on who governs Gaza after the war is over are being discussed, but didn't provide any specifics. Israel completely withdrew from Gaza in 2005 and Blinken said it does not want to govern Gaza. The ranking member of the House Armed Services Committee says it's necessary to provide aid to Palestinian civilians in Gaza during the Israel-Hamas war. Speaking on Fox News Sunday, Washington State Democratic Congressman Adam Smith said without the aid, civilians in Gaza will starve and he doesn't want to see two million Palestinians die. House Republicans are set to meet tonight in their latest efforts to find a speaker. The position has been vacant since Republicans ousted Speaker Kevin McCarthy on October 3rd, bringing the business of the House to a standstill. After multiple failed attempts by Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan to win the gavel, lawmakers will hold a candidate forum tonight to evaluate a number of Republican candidates. Detroit police say the stabbing death of the president of a local synagogue was not linked to anti-Semitism. Police say Samantha Wool was found stabbed multiple times Saturday morning. Wool was president of the Isaac Agree downtown Detroit synagogue and a former staffer for two Democratic Michigan politicians. The Las Vegas Aces will host their second WNBA championship parade in two years later today. The first back-to-back WNBA champ since 2002 will head down the strip at 5 p.m. local time. Las Vegas defeated the New York Liberties 70-69 last week in Game 4 of the WNBA Finals. A week after posting the highest-grossing debut weekend for a concert film, Taylor Swift now has the first concert film to stay at number one for two consecutive weeks. Taylor Swift, the Eras tour, took in an estimated $31 million over the weekend to top the box office for the second straight week. The new Martin Scorsese film, Killers of the Flower Moon, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, finished second with just under $24 million. 
In sports, the Patriots pulled off a last-minute victory after topping the Bills 29-25 at Gillette Stadium. Mike Gusecki caught a one-yard pass from Mac Jones for the go-ahead touchdown with 12 seconds remaining in the game. Ezekiel Elliott carried the ball 11 times for 31 yards and a score. New England is now last in the AFC East and will visit the Miami Dolphins this week. The Bruins have won each of their first five games to start the season with Boston coming from behind to beat the Anaheim Ducks 3-1 at Honda Center. Brad Marchand secured the victory with an empty netter and Linus Ilmark stopped 32 of the 33 shots he faced. Boston will close out its four-game road trip against the Chicago Blackhawks Tuesday night. And the Celtics are adding a veteran wing before the start of the regular season by signing free agent forward Nathan Knight to a two-way contract. The 26-year-old played in 38 games for the Minnesota Timberwolves last season. The Celtics open the year Wednesday night when they visit the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Now let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6. Some clouds this morning, they will be burning off to lead to some sunshine. We also saw some spotty rain showers. Temperature in the upper 40s this morning, heading to seasonable around 60 this afternoon with increasing clouds, mostly cloudy to begin the overnight hours, clearing and temperatures will be on the cool side. Potential frost Tuesday morning with plenty of sunshine throughout Tuesday. Looking forward to a nice warm up rest of the week. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Sassy Del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station 1420 WBSM. And I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. Get breaking news alerts, stream audio, send us text messages, and get live traffic and weather updates all on the WBSM app. Download it now from your app store or at WBSM.com. And welcome back in. We are turning on the light with Jax Blaine of New Bedford Light. If you want to call in, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You were on with Jack. Oh, hi. So oh, I'm sorry. You're taking calls with Jack. I just wanted to comment. It might not be appropriate then to comment on your last guest. Um, well, he's with the, um, he, that's about the star store. No, 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 no. About uh, public universities. That's me. Right. That's that's still Jack. Yep. Oh, oh, okay. Then so, so I I just gotta, I just gotta say public universities, private universities right now, there's plenty of people out of work with, with good, good, you know, with degrees, they can't find work. We don't have enough trades. Uh, you know, I might agree with some kind of trade, some kind of university, but it wouldn't be a tr- university. I suppose it'd be a trade shop where we could teach people trades, whether it's a service industry, electricians, plumbers, because right now to add more universities on top of, you know, what we already have and have people, kids riddled with school debt, right? And then out there in the community can't finding jobs. It seems like the definition of insanity, doing the same thing we're doing now and getting the same results. Lack of good paying jobs. I, I get you want good paying jobs, but you're going to educate people first and then try to find the jobs. There should be high paying jobs available first, and then you fill those jobs with the necessary people. I mean, that's sort of what I'm thinking. I, I'd like to get your thoughts. Well, I actually agree with you that we need more trade education, and I have long recommended a second vocational high school in New Bedford. No, um, uh, we have a voc intern here, but uh, I have felt that um, 
New Bedford residents suffered when they went to a regional vocational school because where they used to have all the slots that they wanted, now they have a, you know, they always had some slots for Dartmouth and Fairhaven, but they were tuition paid. Uh, that New Bedford has suffered because so many kids are being rejected from Volk School now. You have to have good grades, which was unheard of in the past. So I would like to see New Bedford move to a second vocational high school and a smaller academic high school for the kids that are, are interested in academics. But There is some talk that that is a long-range plan, but it's a long-range plan. The mayor has expressed frustration with the way vote tech submissions policies, and there is a lawsuit uh, to try to get more New Bedford uh, uh, blue-collar kids in there. Um, So I'm I'm on board with that. We need more vocational education. I get it what he says that a college degree is no longer a guarantee of a job, but all the studies show that a college degree generally does make you make more money. In, in your lifetime and so and this is not adding a new school they're taking away a school you know so we're not asking them to open a new school we're asking them to put some effort into the school that's already here and, and again i just think that's good money after bad i just i understand that you guess over time you may be able to you know make more money with college education but i juxtapose that to people that own their own business hire people that are looking to work Right, that necessarily don't have the skills. And, you know, the way these schools are running, they are, I think, fleecing children, uh, or kids, I should say children, fleecing kids with, with you know, increasing tuition. You're, you're, the you're, housing cost. We're kind of losing your call a little bit. Yeah, I mean, even yeah, the, the vote tech, cost, even, even the vote tech encourages their kids to go to college now. So vocational education is important, but everything is so technologized now that you still need higher education and from, from his comments it almost sounds like sir that that there's nothing you could say that you would support in terms of of um keeping more money into higher education absolutely not absolutely not with the tenure and the way professors are and how you can't get them and what they teach in school and look at all the unrest that we're seeing on the college campuses this is what you foster in these schools it isn't necessarily yeah hey i love a great education but 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 look what look what look what we're seeing just in the news and what's going on in these colleges and what happens with professors and what they get paid. This is and I'm not picking on their pay, but their tenure and how the ability to not be able to remove professors that really maybe a little bit you know on the controversial side on either end. You can't do that. So you're just fostering a really toxic environment that's. You're, you're, you're talking about a small portion of college students compared to the larger portion of college students that, that make the most of their education and, and get employment out of it. Yeah, and also tenure is a, a different issue. I, I tend to agree with you on tenure that, that that's a problem at most of our universities. But I want more higher education because that's what other countries are doing. I want to be able to compete with other countries what because country? I do not want China what, what to have all the high... Sir, what sir. Countries? They all come here to work. Sir, we didn't interrupt you, yeah. so don't interrupt us. Uh, I don't want China to have all the high-tech jobs. I don't want, you know, uh, countries that are authoritarian and dictatorships to have a monopoly on the best education. I want America to have higher quality education and kids that, are, that have great high-tech education. So, so right. a communist country like China has better education than us, and they're pumping out more high-tech jobs when they have billions of people that can barely eat right now. Um, I tend to disagree I, with you. I think so China I, dominates the high-tech economy. No, they're dominating the, the, absolutely in terms of technology because 
you know, we're allowing them. We're, and where do they sell their technology? Not in China. Right. This, 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 is getting, this is getting here. off topic. We're going to wrap this up, but thank you for the call. You have a good yeah. day. And you're right. The, the bias showed. The, the bias yeah, I, mean, I, I, I didn't think there was anything that anybody could say that he would, you know, say anything about funding American higher education, which I just think is insanity. The, the minute you come at us with the argument of, well, look at all the things that are happening on campus. I know what you're really trying to say there. And again, that's a small portion of the millions of college students that are getting yes. an education and, right now. And he, he both said that China is behind us on high, high tech and uh, eating our lunch on high tech. So, you know. Well, let's move on. So uh, I, speaking of, uh, of education and speaking of enrichment of the, of the, uh, of the community, a uh, place that does both of those things is the Zyterian Theater. Uh, they, they offer not only great programming for us to go and see and to buy tickets to and to support, but they do a lot of education in the community as well. And uh, now they are going to be getting that 99-year lease that they needed to be able to secure some of these grants that they need in order to finish this renovation. And by the way, I should reiterate, because not I don't think this gets mentioned enough, this is phase one of the renovation. So you can say, well, look at all the funding that they've already gotten to be able to do these things that they want to do. There's more that needs to be done. This isn't even touching the stage. This is just touching the actual building itself, the auditorium, um, the, the exterior of the building. But the stage itself also needs a lot of work, and that's going to be coming in phase two. And that's why they need to have this long-term lease to be able to get more of this type of funding. Yeah, the stage is not big enough to do some of the biggest productions that they would like to do with the full orchestra and, and stuff. Um, I, I, the Zyterian is just a gem. A lot of cities the size of New Bedford, Brockton, Fall River do not have a theater that brings national, international acts the way the Zyterian does. Uh, there's a lot of complaints uh, early on that it was too much of elitist entertainment. I think that they've long gotten away from that. They, they, they bring in blue-collar acts. I saw a replica band for... Um, uh, uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank. I, I, I don't think anybody's going to refer yeah. to as tape face as elitist entertainment. Yeah, so I, I, I just think that um, I was glad to see the council vote 9 to, to 2 on that. I, I, you know, I understand when councilors say they have a role to play in... Um, uh, uh, being a check and balance on the mayor's proposals. But when you are consistently on the side of a lot of 9 to 2, 10 to 1 votes, I think you have to really examine your conscience about why you are always on the other side. Uh, you know, I, I, I just think that 99-year lease is the standard. Supposedly, councilors Morad and Giesta wanted a 65-year lease. I can see where they might come up with that idea, but... If you really look at what the standard is, that's what the administration went to. By, by putting in 65 years, you're going to raise the eyebrows of anybody who wants to finance and say, how did they come up with that odd number? And in all honesty, in 65 years, everyone except for the council is in their 20s is going to be dead. You know, so I just don't – the stop and stop analogy that Councilor Giesta brought up I thought was a strained analogy because it was a private sector business – not stop and shop um, – What's the stop and shop? Uh, came in and got the sublease on a uh, a ninety nine year lease that an airport company had, and they were a private concern. This is a public, uh, a nonprofit. You know, uh, there is not a lot of people bidding for the use of that theater against the Zyterian. 
I, I, I just thought it was an example of, of counsel nitpicking, second guessing. I think there is a check and balance, but there is a nitpicking that goes beyond check and balance. And I think that's what we've seen here. And we saw it in the employee salaries where uh, Councilor Morad wanted to examine every single one of the employee reclassifications as to what she thought they should be. That's a counselor trying to step over into the mayoral role, you know, the administration's role. And I, I've said this before. I think Councilor Morad is a smart counselor. She knows a lot about the finances. If she would just govern that knowledge better, I would be more of a fan of hers. But I, I just wanted to say I was glad to see the majority of the council, including Councilor Gomes, including Councilor Abreu, took the, the industry standard that it was a 99-year lease and gave it to the Zaitarian. I, I asked Councillor Gomes Friday on my program about it. I said, you know, because after Council President Morad stated her concerns and why she was pushing for 65 years, I said to him, I was like, well, I'm sure that you probably had some concerns. And he said, no, I, did, I didn't have any. Nope, yeah. I was fine with it just the way it yeah. was. I think, look, I, I mentioned the, the 60, 65-year lease myself, you know, because when you first hear 99-year lease, but I think you have to be open-minded enough that when, when, once you get the administration's case, which the council did, once you hear their arguments as to why 99 is the industry standard and it's easier to get financing with it, you have to listen. Let me uh, put it in perspective. For the 99-year for the lease, this is the year that the Zaitarian is turning 100. So we're talking about as long as the Zaitarian's been around already, that's what we're looking for for this lease. So think about all the things that happened to that Zaitarian over those first 100 years that you won't have to worry about now. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. But I also think that in the next 99 years, there certainly will be changes to the economy. They maybe have to re revamp themselves somewhere along the line. Maybe around year 45, they say, well, entertainment has changed in this way and we have to do this sure. or that. So I don't expect things to be static for 99 years. But I think to get the funding, the loans, the grants, the uh, uh, bequests that they want, that's the industry standard, and that's what they should get. I would have given them any lease they wanted just to get a better seat to sit in when I <laughs> sat down there. We do have to take a break. Let's take a quick call here before we go into the break. Good morning. You're next with Jack Spillane. Hey, Tim and Jack. How are you today? Good. How are you? Good. Um, just saw the person that called earlier talking about uh, education in the U.S. and comparing to China. Um, oh. China does not have... We, the U.S. has a greater um, education system. You're cutting out on us. I, I can't hear him. Yeah, I, I we will, lost you completely. I, I will say that I agree with him 100% that, that America has a far better education system than China. But China is coming up and China is putting more effort into it. And these people who are arguing for us to walk away from the public education system, I think, are, are misadvised. All right, we are going to take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. Tim. And welcome back in. We are talking with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light as we are turning on the light. Let's uh, go back to the phones. Good morning. You're on next with Jack. Hey, how you doing, guys? There we go. Yep. Phone, it's, our phones are working now. Perfect, perfect. Um, so, so I got something to say in, in regards to public education. It's, it's fairly simple if you just look at our, our founding fathers and Thomas actually believed in public education. Oh, nope. Now we're losing you. See, I was, I'm, I'm worried. I was worried it's my phone, but I don't know that it is. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Are you there? Yeah, you keep cutting out on us. All right. I'm going to have to have you try back and see if we can get... I, I thought it was our phones because no, two callers like in a row, we were having some issues. Him. But 
All right, uh, back to the phones here. Good morning. You're next on WBSM with Jack Spillane. How are we doing, guys? All okay. right. Okay, uh, Jack, um, I, I listening uh, about the uh, Stasto, which you valiantly uh, defended, it sounds like it's all over. I, uh, I'm very disappointed with Representative Markey and his remarks about uh, the Stasto. He seems to talk all the time about it's only 160 kids or 160 students, and uh, they got 9,000 students in UMass Dartmouth and stuff like that. Um, uh, he, to me, he, he wasn't very supportive, and uh, it's like, well, if you're in a minority, too bad, and, uh, you know, we got to push on, and I, I, I just don't think he was very, uh, uh, very uh, supportive to, to try to keep Star Store open. Uh, I don't know if he's looking to... I, I, I caught him on uh, Jim Marshall's show uh, this Sunday, and... Uh, uh, really, all the everybody was pushing in one direction, and he was going someplace else. I don't know if he's looking for uh, further political advancement or something like that, but I guess he's the representative from Dartmouth and, yeah, uh, so and a little bit of New Bedford. Uh, uh, not, so not not pulling in the same direction. I, I feel sorry for Representative Montigny. He seemed to come on the um, on the radio too and kind of say, "Well, I've got hope." Hope. For the future of, uh, it seems like the the white flag is being raised. What do you say? So I think I talked to to, to Chris Mackey about this, and I think in his defense, what he said was um, the university is against it, and the overwhelming majority of his district is in Dartmouth. He has a small portion in New Bedford, which is the far north end. It is not the downtown, and I think he's catering to his district. Although very, I, very much so, I would say that that his district includes a lot of people that are interested in the economic vitality of downtown New Bedford. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure why Chris has been as strong as, as he has been on this. Uh, early on, he was talking about housing and, and um, wind, uh, maybe the um, uh, uh, north going, going in there. Now in the in the sky. Really no plan, just throwing things out there. That's what I see with him. And uh, it's too bad because he seems to be a pretty... Uh, thoughtful person, but on this I think he's wrong. When you've got a mayor and a former mayor that don't get along promoting this, when you've got a mayor and the city council that don't get along promoting this, when you've got the mayor and uh, Representative Montigny promoting this, and uh, he's just completely going in the opposite direction. Uh, I guess he's representing his uh, constituents, uh, but certainly he's not representing, uh, you know, the, the rest are looking out for the rest of New Bedford. Yeah, I, I, I will guess make... he doesn't live on Cottage Street anymore. <laughs> I will make one um, uh, qualification, Joe, and, and that is that uh, uh, I am hearing that there may be a deal that the governor has been able to work out with the UMass Building Authority, how good a deal that would be. Some people are talking about, quote, some presence for the university at the Star Store. I, I'm not settling for anything, but that school moving back in there. Yeah, and, absolutely. They, they abandoned those students yes. there. They have a fiduciary educational responsibility to those students to provide them with the education that they uh, sought. Well, to me, it's like if I went to UMass Dartmouth to learn Latin, and it's a dead language, and they're going to promise me a B.A. in Latin, and then all of a sudden you, they turn around and say, well, we can't get any Latin books. It's a dead subject anyway, so we're not going to have that program. You know, well, to me, yeah, that, that, there's the students, but there's also the economic development of downtown New oh, Bedford. I so, agree with you. I agree. So, but, but, I, but again, I, you know, it, both of to me, are linked if you have that, that particular, you know, building down there. And I don't know, that area with the, with the Zyterian mm -hmm. and... Uh, 
and the stuff. It's like the Twilight Zone down there, the way they're, they're talking about it. Yeah, but again, yeah, everybody yeah, was well, for Hold on, let, thing, let, yeah. let, let Jack get in a point here because we're running out of time. I'm sorry. Yep. If they do come back, I was just going to say that they need to begin to market it and they need to begin to put some effort into bringing more kids in there and replacing faculty as they disappear because those are two of the things that people tell me as, as to why the number of students has dropped. All right, Joe, I want to thank you for the call just because we're up against it here. We're almost out of time. And uh, thank you to everybody that called in. And stay tuned, of course, for Chris. He's got South Coast now coming up. He'll take more of your calls. Jack, what are you working on this week? So we're going to start to uh, tip toward the election a little bit. And I also have some more to say about the Star Store and um, uh, the silence of the lambs, so to speak, in the wake of my call for um, uh, Chancellor Fuller's resignation. Wait, so you're going to work those two things together or are we going to get two columns out of you this week? I think you may get two columns. No. Oh. We'll see. No promises. This guy's back to full time over here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, stay tuned for that. You can read all of Jack's work and all of the great reporting at newbedfordlight.org. And uh, we'll talk more about it next week when we turn on the light. Also, I want to remind everybody, too, that as we are getting closer to the election, closer to Election Day, that we want to, to make sure that you know where you can go and when you can vote. And we were talking about this um, during the break. And we, of course, have this effort going on here with a lot of our civic-minded partners to help you know about the important dates for the election. We're going to keep reminding you about those throughout the course of the next couple of weeks. But I will tell you that your last day to register to vote in the municipal election is coming up. So you have until October 27th to register. In Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.